Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Back for another edition of Real Kipper and Bourne. Plenty to get into. Plenty to mm. dissect, including the Toronto Maple Leafs with a 4-3 win in Vegas thanks to a shootout goal by Willie Styles Nylander. We're going to get into uh, a ton here. Luke Fox will join us from Sportsnet to discuss that and Arizona. We'll have Al Morganti, co-host of 94 Whip, the morning show in Philadelphia. And we'll get into more about the Flyers and where they're heading. Because, uh, you know, whether or not Bob Clark started something, what is going on with the Philadelphia Flyers yet again? I've always had them guys as one of those teams where... You know, they're not an original six. They're not New York. They're not Boston or Chicago. But man, oh man, does the NHL need this organization uh, to be at the top of their game for for interest uh, south of the border. So before we get into that, uh, our Elliot Friedman uh, was uh, letting the hockey world know that the NHL has notified teams in the investigation process of Evander Kane. Hey, guys. Hey, newsflash. The league's investigating Evander Kane. No, he yes, didn't say. JB. Yeah, no. I don't know. If, <laughs> I know. This, of course, stems from a U.S. border crossing on December 29th, and this is from the U.S. to Canada on Evander Kane. And of course, he tested positive on the 21st and flew to Vancouver on the 29th. Now, the question is: Did he fly illegally? Did he get into Canada without the proper papers? And that, I think, is playing into the San Jose, who uh, think that that is enough to maybe terminate his contract. But, you know, to Elliot's point, how does a team like the Edmonton Oilers sign this guy when you you don't even know if he's going to be eligible to play? Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, what's going on right now. Um, I'll read uh, Fridge's tweets for the update here. Uh, Hearing the NHL has notified teams it's investigating the process of Evander Kane's border crossing from U.S. into Canada on the 29th. He tested positive on the 21st, flew to Vancouver on the 29th. In termination notice from San Jose, it was alleged he did not have proper medical clearance. NHL is now doing full investigation. They will likely prevent Kane signing in the short term. So I don't even know if they could, Kipper, Sign again. Yeah, guy. that's they could. Okay, they they could sign him and then wait, and then uh, deal with the punishment after. You but mean, I I don't know if that's in the best interest of of a team. Yeah, if if it's if they think they're in a race to sign him, I would imagine that they could sign him and just deal with the punishment after. Um, but like, okay, first of all, he. He did it as an American Hockey League player. So, you know, if, if there's protocols mm. from the NHL, did he did he go against NHL protocol or did he go against the American Hockey League protocol? Uh, are, are they different? Like, <laughs> I don't know. And it's fascinating. Like, they were just looking for this guy to do something because, like, CDC recommendation now is five days for isolation after testing positive. I don't believe it was then. So it's not like he did anything that was – so awful, but it was against the rules. I think the the team found a little bit of a a way to get out of a contract. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Like, could the league suspend him as they did for the vaccination card? So let's say the Oilers sign him now, and then they say, well, you broke the rules again. We're going to suspend you and have a player who's suddenly sitting out for a longer period of time. Earlier this season, he was suspended 21 games. Random. For submitting a fake vaccination card. And why he's going to get suspended another twenty games? This guy, this guy's in trouble more than Kodak Black, isn't he, Sammy? It's a, oh, <laughs> we, yeah. I guess we'll get to that part later. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, that's uh, we may need an hour to 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 fix that situation up. But Zapruder uh, that film. Pick like it. the other thing too, guys, is you know whatever the NHL says. Um, you know, there's always the chance that he could argue it or the PA could fight for him. And you're in another uh, arbitration. You're in another uh, scenario where you got to do your due diligence here. This thing could go on for another week and a half, two weeks. Uh, If you're going to do a proper investigation, then then you got to do the due process, which includes, you know, 
discovery and documentations and this isn't this isn't like we're gonna we'll have an answer for you in a day or two yeah does the nhl have a whole legal wing at this point like how many uh, investigations are ongoing at any one time around the league do they retain an entire firm to go <laughs> there's always right, something for them know. to investigate yeah uh, an arbitration out of a scene of my cousin Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's about the type of representation I could afford. So, but so uh, Oiler fans, whether you loved it or you hated it, at the thought of him playing on your team or beside Connor McDavid, it it appears you may have to wait a little while. Yeah, and the Leafs thing that's not happening, and uh, that's just not even a discussion point at the, anymore, is it, Kipper? I don't. I. I... I don't believe for one second that uh, that was ever uh, Kyle Dubas' style. Yeah. You just, you know, you talked to me. You got me all kind of excited about it. And now, now I just got to move on from it. It's a little if, tough to turn the page here, Kipper. Yeah. You know, and 24 or 48 hours ago, JB, we, we thought it was kind of a simple thing. That's true. Right? It was that, like, yeah, that, this guy's for free. Go grab him. He's for free. Want him for a million bucks. He could be in your lineup uh, tomorrow. But... This this creates a whole new wiggle here, yeah, um, and one I think that would would have changed Ken Holland's press conference entirely. He might if, have been more prone to say, "We'll just see how the due process uh, plays out here," or just go straight generic. Uh, we're trying to get better. Pull a George McPhee, where we had George on the other day, <laughs> and it's like. We'll look at everything that makes us better. George McPhee had full uh, matrix, Neo on the bullets there, or whatever. Just you, we couldn't pin him down on uh, on Kane. Did your uh, best, but the, so basically, Holland was on the podium talking about a second chance when he was, in fact, looking for his. We're adding another. We're adding another number to the chance for his eighth chance now that he's yeah. flying illegally, crossing borders illegally. Like my God, I don't know. Maybe it's still on the list. The, the thing that kills know. me is the team thing about coming back a week late. Like, Kipper, imagine any point in your career, any point, and the team said, be back after Christmas on the 29th, and you're like, the 6th they'll do. Like, what would have happened to you? There's no chance the team would have kept you. I mean, you were a player, but a week late, you don't get to stick around. Yeah, it's just a different world for a guy like that. Yeah, that's a fair point. Right? It's just. I guess uh, I never existed in, the, in a world where you're just that good. You get to just do whatever. Catches up to you eventually. Sure. Maybe seems it already true. has. Yeah. All right. Last night. Leafs. Leafs. Vegas. Uh pretty good game. A hell of a start by the good Leafs, game. I thought. I, I I don't think Vegas touched the puck for the first two or three minutes. No. And it uh it looked good, but there's a rec- recurring theme with this this hockey club, and we touched on this at the beginning of the week coming off of uh a Colorado, and I think Sheldon Keep feels what I felt probably Monday is guys got to find a way to close it out, JB. Yeah, and you know what? I don't want to feel like I, I you to feel like I'm ambushing you here, but going into these past two games, this Leaf team was 17 0 0 with the lead going into the third period. You know, this has not been a team that's been blowing leads. You know, they, we're talking about them like they're the, uh, you know, they just are fresh off the. Yeah. You know the Habs, or sorry, the the Bruins game, or the Habs series. Like they they've been resilient so far this season up till now. I got I got no, no qualms on on what you're saying, but uh, I'm also looking at sixty five percent of the games just do nothing for me. They're it's got to be against real competition, real competition, real tough teams. One that uh, provides you a a mental and a physical. Uh, uh, challenge the one that says to you, "This is a real uh, a building block," and I, I I just don't see that in the regular season mm-hmm. anymore. And maybe the fact that you know, and I don't want to take away a meaningless regular season for the Leafs, but we do know where this is going to head. That right. it really doesn't matter at this point. Uh, the season will start in in April, and and you go from there. But you only get a few chances to really show a, against good quality teams that, mm-hmm. that you can you can start to finish with your foot on the pedal. 
Yeah. And that's that's been missing a little bit this season for the Leafs. And I like the Leafs. I, I don't want to come across like I don't necessarily believe in this team. I don't think that they're they're front runners here, but they've they've got something really good going here. I, I think they're one of the yeah. best four checking teams in the league, and we saw it again last night. And they've got a ton of good things going for them. Uh, three goals by three different lines last night, uh, which is a nice balance. Uh, but it would have been nice to see them, uh, you know, not take their foot off of Vegas's throat last night. Yeah, I think the way we're talking about them here speaks to the fact that the bar has changed for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like they're playing against good, you know, those other teams when they when they hold the lead against Ottawa and against you know some of the lessers in the league. It's expectation. We expect them to beat those teams and to do those things. The, you know, the standards for this team are extremely high now. And so you only get so many games up against Colorado, Vegas, Tampa Bay, you know, and they're not even going to play the Florida teams until nearly the end of the yeah. season. So these games are weighted heavier. And I will say there's a feel in these games where it's the, it, you know, it could fall apart. You could lose this game in five minutes. If you're not focused for five minutes, the other team is so good that you truly have to be on defensively throughout the whole game to maintain that lead. And so we're learning more about them. So I, ag- I agree that these blown samples mean something. Or these blown uh, games mean something. Not, not in five minutes. How about a split second mm. with too many men on the ice? You didn't it's like that like, one, eh? No, I, I did not like that one at all. Like, again, you're you're against one of the better teams in the league and you're at a critical moment that that can't happen is that, that just that that too many men on the ice can not happen that's the one you want to avoid in the playoffs yeah and you don't have in 82 games you know there's there's only a handful of opportunities where you get really again tested and i think last night was a good test for them against a team coming on mm-hmm. and just holding, showing poise, control, uh, not having your heart rate racing at about 180. And I, I did not like that too many men call on them. Yeah. I, and- I, I mean, I, I didn't like it. It was a good call. Right. You but didn't- I, I just didn't like them giving up that penalty. Right. And so I think there's some reasons, you know, to talk about the personnel, whether it's, you know, being absent guys or Hall and Muzzin. I want to talk about those guys. But before we do, let's just get Keith to weigh in on the overall pitcher. And then we'll uh, let's get a little more granular. It's a one or two hockey game. It's little mistakes. Obviously, that, that can hurt you. Um, but to me, we, we just got to continue to play our game when when we're in control like this. So. You know, we're going to get on the plane, go out to Arizona tonight and be ready to go at it again tomorrow in a game that we can't overlook. We've got to be uh, at our best here and we should be a little aggravated about how we've let these leads slip away here in these two games and uh, take that aggravation and and turn it into motivation. And (laughs) they could they could overlook it. Sheldon, and, and you guys should still win by six or seven against that Arizona team. I'm this sorry. is like the most disrespectful thing I've ever said about a team. But like, do you think they could hold their own with wrong-handed sticks? Oh, oh. I can't say that. <laughs> but I mean, I don't think they'd lose by much. But you do get a sense from Sheldon <laughs> that, uh, yeah, he's he sees the same thing we see. I see. Yeah. Which is just that inability to stay on it. To, to yes. you know To continue to play the same way in those big moments. Yeah. And and like we've played enough games where we know that there's going to be times when you just, you know, it's it's not pushing as well as you'd like, and you have your goalie do some amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was just a little bit too much. And and Jack, you know, Sammy, just you're you're spoiled rotten. Your your Leaf Nation, Sam, is absolutely spoiled rotten with this guy Jack Campbell right now. Yeah, and we'll get to Jack Campbell in a, in a second here, but I want to ask you guys this question. I, you know, they are two blown leads. They got to overtime in both games, but I think they both felt pretty different in the way that the game script went, no? Like, I don't necessarily look at these two games the exact same way. Do you? No, the like Colorado, Colorado one's and, worse, right? Yeah, I kind of think so. 
I, I, I do think Colorado, and I, like I said, it didn't really bother me a whole lot. I didn't lose any sleep over it. But I really do feel like Vegas was a much closer game than the one was against Colorado until they stopped kind of skating against Colorado. I thought the one last night, well, Vegas, I thought Vegas was much better, <clears throat> excuse me, much better for the majority of that game. And if I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm looking at the Vegas game more pissed off than I am looking at the Colorado game. Well, uh, just, just to touch on that, first of all, that – you know, outside of Petrangelo, who was a rock star and I think the best cool. player by a country mile on the ice. Not even close. Vegas does not have the world-class game breakers of a Colorado team. That's the difference of last night mm-hmm. is that while Carlson scored isn't anywhere near uh, a McKinnon, there is, you know, Petrangelo is one of those really, really uh, – uh, good at everything and nothing particularly great at one thing. You have Makar, who is just off the charts offensive uh, defenseman now in, in the National Hockey League. You know, ranting in. I mean, they're, they, they, Vegas didn't have the, last night the, the show of uh, game breakers. No. So to me, it did have a similar feel. It did, where you can come out, you can look great. And and then for whatever reason they they do sit back a little bit. The other thing I, you know I, I noticed that uh, you know Tavares and Nylander. Nylander scores the first goal, he scores the last goal, and then in between I, I didn't get much of him and Tavares at all last night for for some consistent push on yeah. on Vegas. To to do stay with the big picture theme you're talking about, like Sam, you had those stats in uh, our show lineup about how yeah. it has fallen apart for them in the third periods over the in the third period of the last two games, the Leafs have had 13 shot attempts and 51 against, you know, four scoring chances, 27 against, you know, no goals and four against. So you know they do kind of combine to paint a pretty ugly picture, you know, in. You know, to your point, Kipper, about the way that those guys came out, the Leafs had the puck the whole first period. I thought the Leafs' best of the six periods was the first one against Vegas. Uh, Vegas had 58 seconds of ozone time, according to Sport Logic. So, like, they were awful, right? We were texting awful. about the in intermission, like, what is this Vegas team? They couldn't get out of their zone. They turned the puck over. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have an Leafs answer for the Leafs' forecheck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had five uh, odd man rushes, Sammy, to zero against. Yeah. Like, it was utter dominance yeah. for the Leafs in that first period. And then, yeah, by the end of the game, Petrangelo himself it leads the uh, the game in, in possession time. He has it for over, like, a minute and a half in the offensive zone. Now, As they, a- they, w- they will have a different look with Pacioretty and Eichel, but you can also say that the Leafs would have a different one with, with Marner. Yeah. And we, Marner's a minute muncher, and he has the puck more often than he doesn't have the puck. And that that... that alone improves the Leafs' ability, I think, to to protect a lead or or uh, be in a better position to hold on for 60 minutes. So the thing that, as a fan, concerns me watching it, and, like, I'm not really that concerned. They got four, three out of four points against two of the best teams in the West. It's, you know, it's more the process than the results, I would say. But just that the Leafs are a team that we've watched play against some other teams where they take their game to teams and they dominate teams and they're the one that's the the aggressor. And Keith talked about it in his, in his post-game press conference about how they wanted they, to play their game, how they want to get, uh, you know, establish their game. And it just felt like the two teams that they just played really established their game on the Leafs for long stretches of the game. And listen... It's two games in the regular season. It's not the end of the world. But I did feel a little bit concerned when you're going up up against two upper, upper echelon teams that the Leafs are supposed to be. They kind of get their cookies handed to them in a couple different stretches of two bigger games. Well, that to me comes down to how do you defend? How do you sn- uh, snuff out the opposition's good stuff? You know, like how are you cutting off their, you know, whatever it is that they do and they excel. And that for me comes down to your defense. Um, you know, lo- looking at the Leafs D again, Muzzin and Justin Hall is, is we haven't found a solution boys. Like we're at 33 games, 34 games there. Jake Muzzin is a red flag right now. What is going on there? Is, I, I got nothing. Is, has he lost confidence in, in Hall? Is it, is, is Hall affecting Muzzin? Is Muzzin affecting Hall? I know. Which one is it? 
Well, they're get like the the goal, or they both get caught behind the net. It's almost like an overcompensation, you know, by Muzzin, you know, thinking that Hull's not going to take care of his job or something to to leave the front of the net. So maybe there's something there. You know, I don't know. It, it, just looking at that decor right now, it's they need that pair to be great, and they're not. I have to say that when we've had this conversation in the past, that I've kind of put this on uh, Hall and said that it was kind of Hall that was bringing down Muzzin and that Muzzin was, you know, having a tougher time because he was playing with Hall. But the last couple games, guys, I, I got to say that I think they're pretty equal in blame here. Hall, uh, sorry, Muzzin has not been up to standard. And for the Toronto Maple Leafs, like we've talked about a million times, this was not part of the plan. You know, Muzzin not being Jake mm-hmm. Muzzin is a monster issue for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and there's no way around it. I don't know how. It's a, it's an unfixable thing. You're not going to make a trade to replace what he does. You're not going to be able to replace him in the top no, four I, with I, somebody I he does. He's just there. He's yeah. there, and you need him to be better. I, I disagree. I, I, I do believe there might be a trade out there. I do, and it might be With expensive. him involved? Sorry? With him involved or someone to pair with him? Yeah, someone to pair, a top four. A top four and maybe just re-slots them a little bit. But, yeah, there, there, there might be some help out there, and it might be expensive. But there has to be a concern that if, if we don't change this up on the blue line, uh, we're going to have a difficult time getting out of the uh, Atlantic here. Well, and I'm looking at the Atlantic, guys. Like, I don't know, is Boston one of the best teams, the best team in the, in the Atlantic? Listen, we were... T- Two, three weeks ago, we were worried about Florida and Tampa Bay. And, oh, by the way, all they do is just keep winning, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, they win every night. Okay. And now it's like, I'm not sure about Boston. You're going to get Tuka Ras coming in mm-hmm. in the next game or two. And they're going to go and make a trade. Cap space, Kipper. They got $7 million in cap space. Mm. They, they're... they're yeah, like they're, now they're projected I'm to have not, it. I'm looking at Boston and going, it's not it won't be a cakewalk if if it starts trending in the right direction for Boston, which we think we're they are warming up. It it's the most competitive out of that first couple of rounds, man. We'll we'll see. Yeah, they're they're 7 and 3 in their last 10. Um they just steamrolled the Caps. They steam they've beaten a ton of good teams in their in their recent play here. Uh, really coming on, Pasternak's warming up, cap space, goaltender coming in. Like, it's a four-team division. And this is not taken away with, from what Toronto's done. 721 winning percentages, you know, I think third or fourth in the NHL. They're cruising. It's just the point is it's a tough division, and being good's not good enough in this division. So if it has to be Muzzin, if it has to be someone, if it has to be a top-four addition, this is it. You, you got to do it because it's getting out of this division is the, the biggest battle. So you want to talk about some smaller players? Want to talk about uh, Mikheyev yeah. or Bunting? Or do we want to do the Marner part? Uh, well, I, understanding is Marner will not play tonight. Okay. Uh, didn't, didn't, uh, it, whether he's on his way or not, just didn't appear that uh, he was going to be able to get in the lineup. And, and really, why, why would you race him back, anyways? And no. I include Engvall, too, right? Well, like, what's the point against Arizona to, to race him back? Yeah, no, no need for that. Um, do you feel like if he's in the lineup for this team, they have four points out of these last couple of games, or don't go to OT? Do you think Marner makes a tangible defensive difference? Yeah, uh, yes. I, I, there's no way to guarantee anything, right. but there's there's no question that you know all your analytics improve dramatically. You know when he's on the ice and he's got the puck, which he does quite often, yeah. and he uh, penalty killing. Another thing, uh, they gave up what two? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what? You know what? I notice without him, um, you know, a lot of times when guys kill penalties, there's a sense of desperation, right? They rush to a puck, they smack at it, they poke it, they try to get it out of the zone. Like Marner calms it, like he's able to get his hands on it, grab it, get it down the rink, um, or you know, take it for a skate. It just when I watch those, when I've watched the last two games against the Avalanche and the. Um, and the Golden Knights, the thing that I notice most without Marner is not offensively. Obviously, he's a dynamic offensive player, but it just, when you're trying to kill off a game, and like you said, that calmness and just a guy, the ability to carry the puck, to take it from the defensive zone, get it to the offensive zone, munch minutes, 
it's not the offensive side of it they're missing. I do think, like you guys are talking about, the biggest miss for him is the defensive side of the puck and his ability just – and it's a perfect word that you said, Borny. Just the calmness that he brings with the puck and in his own zone and his ability to strip pucks and go north, they're missing that big time from him in a couple games against Western Conference contenders, which they got three to four points, I might may add. <laughs> right. All right, let's uh, let's welcome in Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca uh, and uh, – uh, Happy to report that Luke stayed up past his bedtime. Uh, will again tonight <laughs> against Arizona. Uh, Luke, uh, you know, if, if there's anything that you could compare Saturday's uh, loss, overtime loss to the shootout win, what would be one or two things that stood out for you? Because the theme is, is the blown leads. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing for me is the third period. Um, and, and that's what Sheldon kind of pointed out as well after the game when we were talking to him. Uh, you know, they got vastly, vastly outshot and outscored 4-0 if you combine the two games. But it's the fact that they were on their heels. He said, you know what, we didn't actually give up too many great scoring chances, 5-on-5 five five in particular. Of course, you know, Petrangelo ties the game and gets the Golden Knights a point with that five-on-three goal. Um, but he thought defensively they're okay. It's just they're not controlling the game. They're sitting back. They're on their heels. They're letting the opposition take it to them. Um, and these are Stanley Cup contenders, right? And that's the way the Toronto Maple Leafs envision themselves in that conversation right there with Vegas and Colorado. Like, those are the dreams of all three of those teams. And you want to hang with them in the in the moments, in the periods that matter most. And in those two third periods, they got steamrolled, basically. Um, the, the competition took it to them. And, you know, you could say, well, we're coming from playing in front of no fans and we're playing these COVID-ravaged teams like Edmonton and Ottawa, and all of a sudden things are getting real and we're on the road. Um, but, you know, they, they were vastly outmatched in, late in the game's squandered leads it's a concerning sign and then you flip it and say hey they got three out of four points against two of the best teams in the league so that's a positive but it kind of reminded me i'm sure you guys watched the all or nothing series where they're winning games and sheldon meets with the leadership group and says yeah but i'm noticing these signs that you know things aren't rolling exactly right and um you know it's only two games um and they could turn it around pretty quick here tonight when they play the Coyotes, um, but it's it's a sign, right? It's a, it's a a concerning sign. So you want to nip it in the butt for sure. And and what are your thoughts on Matthews and his line without uh, Mitch Marner? Obviously, he has put the puck in the net. You know, I've kind of seen him sniffing around for offense a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say cheating, but you know, he's looking for for his goals, but still looks really dynamic. Um, how much is he missing Marner? How have his line mates been? Well, what have you thought of Matthews and his line in the last couple of games? Well, offensively, I, I think they've been just fine. Um, you know, that, that first period in Colorado with Kerfoot playing his off wing, um, you know, a natural left winger, if not a left winger, a centerman, he rarely plays the right side. And that line gets gets three, three goals in the first period in Colorado and, and basically gives them a stranglehold on the game and they chase the goalie and everything. Um, so offensively, I think they've been fine. And I, I actually really liked... Andre Kasha, I think in in short bursts, in spells, whether it's a handful of games here and there, I think he's, he's a legit top six, six winger, um, versatile guy. And, and you can spell him in up there with Matthews. And Matthews actually really likes playing with him um, because of his aggression. And, you know, Michael Bunting made a heck of a pass to Matthews to get that goal. But if you look look back, Kasha makes a really nice pass to Bunting to start that play that, that got Matthews on the board and continue his his goal scoring streak there so um, offensively I, I think it's fine and, and I think it's a, a real feather in Matthews cap the fact that you know he's playing with a couple of guys that were basically bargain pickups right um, in, in the offseason and he can right. he can totally run a line without Marner there the thing that worries me a little bit is the last minute of games, killing penalties. Uh, Marner is a really underrated defensive player. Um, you know, when he was out with his shoulder injury, I asked Wayne Simmons, I said, 
where do you miss Marner most? And he's like, everyone's going to say offensively, but we miss him most defensively. And I think we, we've seen that the last couple of games. I, I think Marner's, Marner's a really responsible guy, really smart, like, hockey mind that reads the plays and can pick off passes and, and put a stick in the right lane and, and does little smart defensive things. Um, great skater, great vision, all those things. So I think defensively that they're missing him. I don't think it gets enough credit because it's it's little things and sometimes it's not even picked up on the camera or, you know, the focus is always about uh, the bigger, the shinier play uh, on a telecast. But this guy's constantly uh, responsible uh, defensively. And uh, I just, yeah, you're right. I think getting him back in the lineup, they got St. Louis on, on Saturday. Uh, you would hope that uh, hopefully all this, uh, this COVID's behind him can maybe even get a get on the ice as early as Thursday or Friday and and be ready for that game because that again is another huge test uh, and and one I think that is upgraded. I like Vegas, but Toronto's a better team than them, and I include even you know Pacioretty and we'll see where Eichel is. Can he step in right away and take him to another level? But last night I saw the Toronto Maple Leafs head and shoulders better than that hockey club I saw last night. Yeah, and you know what? Vegas has lost the second most man games next to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and the fact that they're still winning their division, I, I think, is a real testament to how they've kind of persevered through all the injuries. You mentioned Pacioretty. Eichel's coming back eventually, hopefully sooner than later, for, for hockey fans' sake. But Shea Theodore was in COVID protocol, too. Like, that's a really key piece to that team. No Shea Theodore. Um, so Toronto, you know, I know they were missing Marner. Um, but, you know, you're down Pacioretty, Eichel, and Theodore. Um, I would have liked to seen the Leafs take it to them a little bit harder than they did. Um, they didn't uh, generate nearly as much zone time or, or high-quality chances um, a- as you would have would have thought, especially they, they should have been a little ticked off coming off that, that Colorado game. Do you have any uh, updated thoughts on what's going on with Jake Muzzin? We were just chit-chatting before you came on uh, about uh, some concerns there and how it's not quite working this year. And is it is it him? Is it well, any, any thoughts on on Muzzin's situation? Yeah, well, I, I think I think a lot of it is him, and, and you hate to say it, um, just because he's he's so well respected, um, just on the ice, off the ice. He, he's like a hockey player's hockey player, right? Like he just goes out, performs, doesn't say too much is regarded as a leader, plays a hard game. Um, but you have to start wondering if, if all those, those hard miles, like playing that physical style of play, um, has caught up to him. And you know what? He really hasn't been the same since he pulled that groin in the Montreal series. Um, he's never quite looked right. And, and you just you wonder if it's injuries or you wonder if it's, if it's age, right? Like there, there comes a point where it catches up to to everyone and um is this the year where, where we're seeing a bit of a fall off and you know i think justin hall was, was taking the brunt of it with that series of of healthy scratches earlier in the season but was tell what was telling to me is that um i think it was early this week or late last week um sheldon keith was asked about that pairing and and how he thinks they're coming along since since the pause and he went on and on about how this is a new start for Justin Hall, and Justin Hall looks pretty good to him, and he completely ignored the Muzzin portion of that question. Um, and that, to me, says that, you know, it's one of those, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And I think he wants to see more out of Muzzin. Um, and you don't want to be too harsh on the guy because you don't know what he's playing through. He's the kind of guy that, that may be playing through something that we don't even know about. And if that's the case, then there's only going to be stronger talk about potentially upgrading that blue line. Luke, you mm. put out an article the other day on sportsnet.ca uh, that talked about uh, Klingberg out of uh, Dallas and whether or not he'd be a good fit. But, you know, these conversations and those type of articles are only just starting here because that's, I got to think that's where the focus has to be for, for Kyle Dubas is how do we get more depth on that blue line? No, absolutely. I, I think it's priority number one. And I mean, even if I, I even think that that might be a focus, even if Muzzin and Hall, the Muzzin and Hall pairing were doing well, um, you know, you, you know better than anyone, Kipper. Like uh, I, I remember Kyle Dubas once saying that basically you, you got to count on losing a guy per round. 
And this is a team that dreams of going four rounds. So you don't just want six good NHL defensemen. You want seven or eight. Like, uh, absolutely, this team is going to go out and add to the blue line. Um, now, how they do that will be, will be really fascinating. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I was looking at their cap space today, and it's, it's like 60 thousand some dollars um last i checked the league minimum is a little bit over that so they're they're gonna they're gonna have to get creative here um and i i think something has to give the klingberg thing's interesting because i do think their preference would be to upgrade the right side um and and have more of a veteran presence more of a, a grittier penalty killing type i i think they really like the offense drivers that they have in riley and sandine um and the left side is, is much deeper especially when you consider that brody's a left shot and dermot's a left shot and, and they're playing the right side um so i i think they their preference would be to add a, a right shot defenseman um so that then klingberg is obviously probably the the marquee name that sh- that curves his stick that way i just think if if you're jim nil and you're trading that guy um you could probably get a lot better return than you could from the maple leafs and also he's an offensive type uh quarter uh power play quarterback type of defenseman and i don't know if that's quite what the leafs need so i i think would they be interested and poke around? But maybe. But I, I think the price will be higher, and they could get outbid by a team that needs uh, a more a Klingberg type more than that. I would, and they'll they'll go for more of a bargain, uh, gritty type, penalty killing type defenseman. I, I would start making a call maybe to New Jersey on that uh, Severson. Mm. You like him? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, a right-handed shot. I think six two. Uh, you're gonna to have to find. You're gonna to have to move some money out. No question. I think he's at four, a little over four million dollars. I don't uh, like him, Kipper. You don't like him? No. I, I, not, I, I think, not aggressive enough. Yeah, that's it. You know, he, he's a good player. He's a really, really good player. I, I just, you know, for a fit for the Leafs, it's tough to find a guy. I, yeah. You know, I. Anyway, um, well, one more for you, Luke. For me, before I let you go, I just I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, moving off the the D to the the fourth line. And, like, how's Clifford been so far? What are your thoughts on him? Is this a guy that's going to take regular shifts for them in the playoffs or uh, carve out more of a role, or is this just a, a prototypical 13th guy? Yeah, to me, he's a 13th guy, and I think it's, like, how the series goes. Um, you know, if, if they feel they need a, a little more muscle, um, maybe you put him in. But I think when everyone's healthy, um, I, I think, you know, Pierre Engvall's done a, a fine job. You know, I, I think he's a fine bottom six winger um and and i think they they appreciate his speed um you know his size and he's you know he's kind of you know if, if everything goes well pierre Engvall could be a, a kyle clifford in the making he needs a little bit more edge um you know clifford has that but i, I think it's been a really uneven um season for for kyle clifford for one he, he changed teams he's been in the ahl then there was the pause um, I, I think it's hard for him, been hard for him to find his stride, and, and he's trying to stick. I think he's a great option as as your thirteen, but I think you know when everyone's healthy, I think he's out, and I think Nick Ritchie's out. That uh, that left side is far from perfect, but that forward that forward group should be still deep enough uh, to take him for a really good ride here, as as long as I think you can shore up that blue line. But you know, this is this is one of the hardest four checking teams i think there is in the league as is yeah yeah no i, I think they've done well i mean you consider that william nylander is probably having a career year um marner is is probably not having a career year and we could see the best of him still matthews is is right up there amongst the the best goal scorers in the league and then some really valuable contributions like i've been really impressed by alexander kerfoot's uh year andre cash has been a great find michael bunting's going home to arizona tonight and he's in the right in there amongst the the better rookies albeit uh one who who might be able to to grow a few gray hairs if he ever let his beard grow you know like 26 year old rookie uh but uh, you know, like some really great pickups, uh, you know, we, and we knock Richie all the time, but some smart work by Kyle Dubas and Jason Spezza. I mean, this guy just keeps on trucking. Like from a fourth liner, you couldn't ask for anything more. So I really like the depth on forward. I think they've done a nice job. Luke, enjoy the game tonight, Arizona and the Leafs back to back. 
Okay, I'll be putting on a pot of coffee. (laughs) Thanks, Luke. Sportsnet.ca. Kipper, I got to say, I forget before I forget, I liked Nick Ritchie last night. I thought he was good. You? Offensive zone penalty didn't bother you? Uh, bothered me. I mean, I saw a lot of that on Twitter. I saw a <laughs> He's lot of not those. perfect. I didn't think it was a, a clear penalty for one, but I thought he was physical. I thought he made a couple of plays. I noticed him. It's a good-looking fourth liner. <laughs> That's a perfect way to put it. Man, if he's right? in your fourth line, you got a, a pretty good situation on your fourth line. No question about that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. Al Morganti, uh, co-host of uh, the morning show in Philadelphia, 94 Whip. He's going to come by, and uh, let's just follow up a little bit on the Flyers and that Bob Clark, mm-hmm. Ron Hextall, something that we don't see too often. It was quite a revisit by Bob Clark uh, when it came to describing Ron Hextall and maybe some of the decisions that he made when he was once upon a time the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. That and so much more, including Tyson Nash, former NHLer and doing a good job covering the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, we'll follow up with him all after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. We're back. Our next guest nationally renowned NHL expert. I don't want to age him, but uh, he's covered the NHL for a long time, and probably nobody may know the Philadelphia Flyers better than this guy (laughs) inside and out. May know it better than some of the people that are inside the organization, and that's why we're calling on him. Al Morgani joins us now, morning show host, covers the Philadelphia Flyers pre- and post-game. Al, thanks for joining us. No worries. Yeah, I'm doing. I've been doing this a while, and I've got Scott Hartner with me. You know, I bring them along, watch them play, then they they come in. They they're an analyst for a while, then they move on to bigger and better things. So. Oh gosh, <laughs> and and Al, no matter how many years you've covered them for, however long, uh, they don't disappoint when it comes to uh, maybe a few surprises here and there. And uh, just your overall reaction, you, because I know you've been through so many stages of their organizational, uh, you know, existence, but where on, on, on your chart of one to 10, where is the surprise on what Bob Clark said publicly about Ron Hextall as his tenure as a general manager? Well, I'm shocked. I still haven't talked to Bob. I, left a couple of messages uh usually gets back but i think i guess he's in florida there and uh i was shocked i i guess i shouldn't be at this point knowing some of the uh older players if you will it's always amazing to me how it's the old guys who come off the top rope and and <laughs> this was this was just uh because he likes uh ron hextall and the more i i read into it and talked to some people I think this was a defense of Fletcher right now, Chuck Fletcher, a defense of the front office and what's gone wrong. I think there was some sort of a, an attempt at deflection of, of what's kind of disintegrated here over the last little bit, kind of an explanation for that. And also, you know, Bob, if nothing else, when you know, if he's got something on his mind, there ain't a big speed bump between his head and his tongue sometimes. And I think it was the frustration and what Hextall did here in terms of, I don't know how many times when I talked to Bob and other people, it's like, well, he, he just, he needs a sounding board, Ron. He's got some good ideas, but he needs a sounding board. And he kind of turned people off. However, you know, that draft, I, I, I got to think maybe he was triggered by that play McCarr made against Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> but at that draft, it was basically a two-player draft. And Hextall, who did go cowboy on some drafting later, I don't think he went cowboy here. I mean, that was basically, you know, a, a chalk on, on that draft. So there's two sides to it. Yes, some of the scouts absolutely um, had a preference toward McCarr. However, having a preference in stating take them, you know, your name's on the draft. So I think it was uh, a little strong for what actually went on. But I think really it was a, a, a level of frustration over what's happened now, looking back and the mistakes that were made and complete frustration that 
you know, Ron wouldn't listen to some advice from outside. Yeah, it was pretty scathing, and you're right. When Makar wasn't taken second, zero people that I know were like, you know, what went on here? You know, it kind of played out as we expected. So that was a surprise to see him say that. So looking at, you know, where they've come from since, you know, this past offseason. So Chuck Fletcher kind of had an aggressive offseason, right? I mean, they made a lot of huge moves, you know, whether it be Ellis or Voracek or, a lot, you know, a lot of different players that came shuffling around. Where are the Flyers at now? Can you look back at that this past summer and just say it was a failure? and Or is it, uh, you know, is this well, what's going it, on right now, trying to justify it? Well, it's never that easy with the Flyers. Right. Um, well, when you really look at it, if you do a forensic thing in it and you look at the moves that were made, I mean, you know, Atkinson's been fine. Uh, risk the line, and if you expected much more, I mean, you, you know, he's going to muscle some people. He's going to make some mistakes. And, yeah, I mean, what he, what he got was supposed to be plug and play. Um, you know, plug and play, put them in here. That's going to work. The Ellis thing is what's really fouled everything up. Even that though, if you look at it at the players given up, it really wasn't like they gave up a whole lot and, you know, they got a, they may have got damaged goods there. That That's the real frustrating part. But for the most annoying part of the whole, the thing that's upset everybody is for the first time, I mean, they got good goaltending. I mean, goaltending is supposed to make your GM look good. Your coach look good. Every, make your sentiment a Selkie winner. And instead, the, the GM's under fire, the coach is fired, and nobody looks good, and they're getting good goaltending. So it's, I don't think it's a case of what happened over this past summer. I think that was Clark's frustration. Players who were supposed to come along, Konechny, Provorov, Sanheim, draft picks, that this is the point he was trying, I believe, that he's trying to make. It's like, well, the, the master plan hurt us way more than what's happened in this very short term over this past summer. When we, I was fortunate enough to start my career in the Philadelphia Flyer organization. And the one thing that was abundantly clear was this kind of this family atmosphere and whether or not, you know, we talk about this certain generation in my generation, it was Bob Clark, Bill Barber, you know, some of these guys that uh, came along, but it, it was, it was an open kind of, family kind of feel and I, I i gotta wonder part of bob clark's frustration al was the fact that that ron was part of that and in many ways mentored i think hexy and if you talk to hexy publicly the first guy that he's going to give credit for where he's you know where he where he arrived is bob clark and i just i wonder now because what ron essentially took the ball and 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 went home or, or ran with it himself and shut the door on these guys, didn't include them. That, to me, is where Bob Clark was probably hurting the most, watching Hextall, you know, basically close the door on, on his office and not welcome him in. Oh, that's absolutely, you're, that's absolutely what happened with the alumni, and, you know, more than just Bob Clark. I mean, there was frustration on the part of the alumni. Um, Hextall, uh, you know, he, he was completely unaware of a lot of this going like, I guess he just shut his eyes to it. He was convinced that there had to be another way to do things, a rebuild. And it frustrated the alumni. I mean, little, you know, annoying things, access to locker rooms, stuff like that. Not, you know, not stuff that you'd think would have been that huge, but it turned into a, a pretty big thing. And that's what I mean when you say there was no sounding board there. It's like, I, I actually thought Ron was going to be, he was a very good general manager in, in terms of trying to rebuild something. An, an organization that had always gone for the shiniest toy uh, for that summer or whatever to try to do things differently. But it was the lack of access to people that got him totally frustrated on what they could do, who they could bring in, things like that. And I think, and I think that's what, what's boiled over, and that's why Bob Clark was willing to, to really <laughs> – I, I don't know that I've ever seen it before <laughs> – to really go after a, a former – uh, friend, uh, maybe still a friend. I mean, if you listen to the the entirety of it, I mean, he's pretty clear in the beginning that he likes Ron. And you, if you know Clark, I mean, he can hit you with a high stick and be your best friend. So, he, <laughs> you know, he, no, I mean, Let's go for I a mean, beer. You know, he's, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's that you know he, that that's what it is. It's the brutal, the brutal honesty of it. And and I, there's no doubt that that the association with the alumni and that you know Snyder died. A lot of things have changed. And I think there was some frustration at that. But I think the, the bottom of it was 
look, if you think, if you're looking here and the team's in a bit of a, <laughs> more than a bit of a rut, it's not necessarily what's happened right here in the immediacy. The building program that was supposed to work has fallen woefully short. And, and by the way, look at this player. We could have had him and we had Nolan Pat. We got Nolan Patrick. Yeah, that's, that's tough. So how popular is the current GM? Like, is he a guy who's going to be around for a while or is there things souring <laughs> quickly there too? Uh, I, I think he'll be around for a while. I don't, I don't think that this ownership is going to make that change. The coach is a different story. I, I think that could certainly change. And, uh, you know, they've got a, uh, you know, everybody with this COVID, you know, getting the fans involved, let, let's face it. You're in, it'll be like, I guess, in Toronto, if Leafs were playing for in the, in the playoffs, who pay attention to the Blue Jays, right? So, right. So we got the, you know, the big green shadow of the, uh, the Eagles going on. And so, I mean, some of this stuff isn't as uh, important as, it, as I think it actually should be. But no, I think the GM is in, in okay shape here. I don't think that that's going to be an issue. They really do. You're, you're absolutely right, though. There, it, it is, I don't know where they are. They're in some kind of mushy middle now where you thought coming into this season, it, you know, all the hours were up. If it was a stock, you were buying it. Well, now they're being shorted everywhere. Uh, when you look at what's gone on, uh, Provorov's lack of development into a number one has really hamstrung them. I mean, last year, the story was, you know, Matt Niskanen belonged in the Hall of Fame and he missed them. And this year at Dallas, <laughs> well, you know, Provorov's supposed to be a guy that stands alone and people rely on him, lean on him. That's been a problem. And as I mentioned, Connect me though, there's effort. I mean, it's a, it's a league of production, and there's no production um, coming from there. That's been a problem. Sandheim's development. A lot of those guys, you know, the unfortunate situation with Limbaugh, all that that's going to Couturier's injury and uh, lack of uh, star power right there. And uh, the irony is, at the end of the year, they may be moving their captain, who's probably, again, <laughs> been their best player. Um, so I think maybe that'll be... At the end of it, when it's all said and done, that may be, what's the cliche, the culture thing, like, well, we had to change this. But that's what they did this year. (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't know how many, you you can't be culture club. Uh, You can't every year decide you're going to change your culture. And and that's, I think, where they're probably headed if they don't turn it around. And it's a a tall order to turn this around. When you've got good goaltending and things like this happen, there's some real issues. I kind of have a soft spot you know, because I signed my first pro contract with the Flyers and I got to experience my first uh, feel of National Hockey League with them. And while I always felt from the moment I went to my first training camp that there was a, you know, a competition for sure for Philadelphia eyes with the Eagles and the Phillies, uh, of course, the 76ers, but they had their their strong hockey group there and they were proud and they loved their flyer tough hockey. And while, Al, they're not an original six team, man, they're, they're close. And I'm just wondering at this point now, where, where is the fan base? Are they, are they more still around a, a Bob Clark with his comments or are they just past that? You know, the last thing that the Flyer fans or the league needs is uh, apathy out of Flyer fans. And I don't yeah, know, are we, yeah. are we getting close to that? You don't have the passion that was there previously. Now, Oh, some of it has to do with the way, you know, I, I, you know, personally, I love the faster game and some of the stuff that went on in the past, just, just simply, you know, forget it, it ain't going to happen. Um, but they, they miss some of that, obviously. Um, they love the goaltender. You know, it's a, it's a tough sell right now because in hockey now, you could go to a game previously and even if your team lost, something happened. Um, it was you know, and I'm old, so I've, I've seen both ends of it. But the game is best when played just kind of on the, the edge of chaos. <laughs> and, 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 you know, there, it's very little of that now. The, the edge of mayhem, but not mayhem, but just the threat. <laughs> and that's sort of gone. And now if you go to a game, you don't win. You don't necessarily feel like you got your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Previously, if, even if, no matter what the outcome, it was like, well, we saw in a hell of an event. That's less likely to happen now. And they are a little, they are kind of wavering on it in terms of overall passion. I mean, not the house isn't always full. You know, they they hit a home run with their mascot, but how good is it that that's the face of your franchise when you really come down to it? You know, you, you know, you need the electric player 
uh, and they don't have that right now. And I think they're missing that a little bit. But the, if they win, the fans will be here. And, and for what they've gone through to have this fan base, it's pretty terrific. And the one thing when Ed Snyder was gone, and I know ownership changes, but he, he always had them convinced that they were on a par with the Eagles, the Phillies, the Sixers. There were, you know, people were upset with them. Uh, and, I, and I think now the lack of uh, – and this happens in more than one U.S. market. The NFL has become soccer of the United States. I, I think you can you, – I don't want to say hide, but you're not criticized as much. You're not, it's not as, you know, as everything broken down as much in most markets. And I think that's lacking a little bit. Not, I'm not criticizing the writers. My Lord, they've some terrific writers. This Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic is spectacular. But, uh, but I don't think that the, the overall radio – I know I do radio. We take few flyer calls during a football season. So I think that's lacking a little bit. I think the pressure on the players to – the fact that they've um, kind of disappointed a fan base, I don't think that's where it used to be. And I, I think that's a little bit of the problem here, but not all. A lot of it is simply their roster makeup and what's gone on in the East. Well, one of my favorite hockey assessments is that, yeah, like you used to go see your team lose and your team didn't go down without a fight. You left, you saw an event. Um, yeah, right now you see a lot more games or teams just, ah, we didn't have it tonight and just kind of move on. It is a little bit of a tougher sell. So with that, I, I want to get your thoughts on Claude Giroux and the trade deadline here. Is this a team that needs to go the other way, bottom out, and get a you know be in the lottery for the first overall pick? You know, trade Giroux is that is that something that needs to happen now or too soon? Am I jumping the gun? I don't think you're jumping jumping the gun. I mean, it's a discussion. I mean, I, I I feel sort of badly for him. I mean, if you're a neutral observer here and you watch and. You know, when, when they're in trouble at the end of a game, he comes on and he gives them the spark that they need. He's, like I said, to, to be their best player for this long. I mean, there was a couple of years with Kateri here recently, but for the most part, he's been their best guy. And he wins the key face-offs, and he doesn't miss a handful of games in a couple of decades, it seems. But I do think that that's going to be where they're going to have to go uh, at the end of this year. And I think that the fans, you know, there's no problem with him. I mean, he's a he's a good player but i i, I the, the, the captaincy thing has always confused me it's 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 to me it's not as big a deal as it used to be i mean you know we're talking about bob clark you know messier guys like that but i don't know anymore if it's like that and i think the fans i, I think that c weighs like a it is like it's made out of cement <laughs> when 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 it's on them with the fans it's like well that's you know we got to change the culture. Nothing's going to change until we change the captaincy. And don't forget, this is a fan base that, you know, literally took the C off of Lindris's jersey on television in a pregame show. <laughs> you know, they traded Jeez. when they traded Poulin. It was a, you know, it's a, it a big deal. And I and I think he wears that, and I think that's heavy. That that that's fairly heavy. And I but I do I don't think you're jumping the gun on it. I think when you look at options that are coming up, uh, get the fan base reinvigorated change uh, one thing and the contract that's coming up, you know, he's a free agent. How much money can you spend on him? Um, I'd be surprised if he's not, uh, he's not, he's not sold at the trade deadline. Uh, off the top of your head, Al, uh, any, any teams that kind of strike your fancy, uh, David Poyle and Nashville, like where do you, where do you see a, a fit maybe? I'm, I'm I'm trying to look. I, I'm look. I, you have to worry about salary cap. I'm looking at I don't know what Dallas is. What's going on there? But the other problem is where is he going to? Where would he agree? You know to go. I think right. ultimately, uh, ultimately, you know, after this year, I'm, I, I'm everybody. I'm assuming Ottawa would be in play for him. Um, not not now, obviously at the trade deadline. But I don't I don't know where who who would give up the most. Uh, that's uh, that, that's the only decision that the flyers would have on it and make him yeah I'm not, he's not that ray bork level but go somewhere where you have a chance to win a cup i i do think that would play into into this where he goes i think that he's earned and certainly he can say he has the say in it with a no move but i think beyond that um i think that they owe him to put him in a spot where yeah we've got a chance to win he's got a chance to win a stanley cup 
Well, it's a it's an ongoing saga there in Philadelphia. It always and you're right is. On it top always it. is. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Listen, Al, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. I call anytime, guys. You guys do a hell of a job. I followed you both your careers. You're both terrific, and uh, good uh, luck and doing a great job. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate Al. the kind words. Thanks, Al. Al Morgani, longtime Philadelphia Flyer uh, reporter, does a terrific job. Continues as we yeah. speak. I, I love hey, getting the view of someone who's seen different GMs through there over the years. Great oh, context, yeah. eh? Oh, yeah. And it, it, at times, it, uh, behind the scenes there, uh, family-run business, Snyder's, of course, Comcast, all of that. He's He's been right, right, he's seen right through it yeah. completely. Just, just to follow up, I think we're going to go to break here soon, but just to follow up with him and the whole captaincy thing and, See, I'm I'm a huge captaincy guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think for one second that it's uh, it's overrated, and I know that conversation only comes up and it it comes up with Giroux because of one reason: he hasn't had success. Yeah, he hasn't led to a, a championship, and of course, people will take runs at it. But when you win, it takes it takes what people think of you to another level. And that's that's it's cut and dry here. You got to win. What do you think? To appreciate your captaincy. What do you think of teams though that give out the C? You know, when there's not a guy who's maybe destined for it. You know, I, I guess sometimes I think some guys are forced into the C because they're the best player. You know, like and and was that it with Giroux? Like, is he really this guy you want to like follow into battle? Is going to bring it every night? I, you know, I, I guess it depends I, what you want from your captain. But. Yeah, at at the time. You know, uh, he was one of the better players in the league. He got paid like it. Yeah. I, I don't think there, there was too many people questioning his his ability to, uh, you know, to wear play. it. Yeah. No, I so. know. He, he It has been an interesting ride, though. Um, you know, and he has been a good soldier for them. Yeah. And I don't think you can pin their lack of success on him. So I, I love, ultimately, one alpha dog in the room. I believe in that. I believe in uh, uh, archery, uh, higher archery. What's what's the word? Higher. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I believe in all of that. And I I think one guy has to stand up there and and ultimately call it on behalf of the players. Is it Tavares and not Matthews for the Leafs? Uh, You know, don't underestimate uh, underestimate Morgan Riley either. Mm-hmm. You know, as as one of those guys, I think he could have easily wore the C for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I would have believed the the Morgan Riley thing because he's so smart and put together and composed. I feel like in a storm, he's a guy you would trust his take on how to take shelter. I don't know. He's a. I don't know if Tavares is saying as much. A couple things on what you guys are talking about with Al there, and I love that conversation. Just a classic old school radio guy and. I think the one thing that I took away from that is, yeah, I think the Philadelphia Flyers are loving the Eagles right now. One more, win, win one more game, <laughs> Eagles. Give us another uh, another week or two to hide here. And secondly, the whole thing with him talking about uh, going to a hockey game and nothing, you lose and nothing happens, I think that's probably a feeling amongst a lot of American cities. Look, here in Canada, people just... They do whatever. They go to the game. It's hockey. It's what we do. Like, I'm sure there's people that have that opinion, but we'll still go. I don't know if that's the case in a lot of different states, you know, especially in Philly where they're used to a certain brand of hockey. It's used to be the scariest building in the world to go into. And I I just think it was a really well-made point by him where I'm sure a lot of Americans feel sort of similar to how he feels about that, no? Yeah, I thought it was an excellent point because I feel like that some nights. You go to a game and, God, sometimes your team wins and you're like, I don't know, did anything really happen? <laughs> you know? So, and they, they, they weren't used to that in, in the 80s and the 90s. Something no. happened when you went to the game. Well, just if, if you're... Especially flyer games. If you're going home, you're going home a sore loser, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and teams and, wanted that. We're not losing. Yeah. There, there, there's, there's some blood on a, a few jerseys when you lose <laughs> on the Flyers, and that was enough for them to go home. Yeah. And go, yeah. we'll get them back next time. Boy, it is it is different. It is different. But, um, you know, I don't think we can condone yeah. a league where <laughs> sore losers punch each other in the nose because they're losing anymore. Yeah, we yeah. can a little bit. I used, I used, I semi- honestly, con- condone. Well, as a fan, when I'm mad as a fan watching a hockey game, like, for example, that, that – uh, 
Winnipeg Jets game when the Leafs got into that wild one where everybody got suspended and knees were flying around. I wanted my hunk of meat. I wanted my chunk of flesh. I was mad. And I was, you know, that was the old school junior hockey in me that I used to go to hockey games that were four hours long because there were 20 fights. But I wanted some retribution. I wanted it. It's a very, very emotional yeah. sport. You guys know. You guys both played at a very high levels. You want some, not a chunk, I guess a chunk of flesh. You want it. That and matters he, to fans and to the guys who play. And Sammy, just to add to your point, it, and yeah, it might have cost. Uh, Spezza uh, suspension, but went up a few notches with Leaf fans, did he not? That oh, game? yeah. The legend, oh, Jason yeah. Spezza? The legend. Like I, <laughs> like I said to you guys, the day after that happened, he's never loved being a Leaf. He's never loved being a Sen nearly as much as he loves being a Leaf. Let's just say that. Oh, that's such a ridiculous take. Well, Al made a point that um, <laughs> uh, Gritty is there, uh, the face of the franchise <laughs> now. And He's I, the man, I, though. I do love Gritty. Gritty is to, the best. I wanted to tell Al, that's no different than on the real Kipper and Bourne show where, where Sammy, Sammy is. Our, <laughs> Sammy's on <our> Gritty. <laughs> we turned some Sammy, real parallels there. We turned Sammy into Gritty. <laughs> oh, God. E- easily the most likely to do something outlandish. It's it's clear. Sam is <laughs> That's Gritty. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a compliment. All right, boys. And on uh, that. <laughs> on that, let's, uh, let's take it to break, and we'll come back with another sore loser, Tyson Nash. That guy, uh, on, on a few occasions, wanted his uh, pound of flesh as well. Former <laughs> NHLer, current color analyst in Arizona. We'll get his takes on tonight's matchup after the break you're listening to real kipper and born